Welcome to the Melomancy Podcast, where we're going to be discussing the various sub-schools and varieties of Western and Eastern Buddhism. My name is Cube. I'm Dylan. And I'm Victim. I'm Sarge. And today, Cube is guest starring. He's actually sitting here on my microphone. Good friend of mine, we go way back. So today I wanted to talk about, like, I don't know, what do you guys want to talk about today? I believe our topic was supposed to be card games and tabletop games of all varieties. We'll see how long that lasts. No motorcycles, though. Let's leave those out. What's wrong with motorcycles? Now, hold on, Victim. What's wrong with motorcycles? Because <laughs> you can use it in D&D. Okay. Except I'm thinking Munes of Masterminds, actually. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking more along the lines of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. We don't talk about that. That didn't happen. No, it did happen, Sarge. We were there. No, we no, were we no, were 12 no. once. Okay. Yu-Gi-Oh players, us Yu-Gi-Oh players, we don't talk about that. That that never that didn't fucking happen, okay? I think the best metaphor for playing Yu-Gi-Oh as an adult was something that that Davey dude said back way back when. You remember that guy? Wait, Smelly Dave or No, like the wow. the one that looked like an alpha male kind of dude compared to everyone else. So fuckboy Dave? A fuckboy, yeah. He looked like a fuckboy. <laughs> there was Hippie Dave, and then there was fucking Not Hippie Smelly Dave. Dave. Not, not Smelly Dave, it was Davey, with a Y. Oh, Davey was the coolest human being in the world! Yeah, like, his, he what he said AFI. is, like, a perfect metaphor for Yu-Gi-Oh players in adulthood. They said, when girls come over, the cards disappear. Exactly. And you don't tell anyone that you do this, because it's an embarrassing hobby, because... It's not like magic. Like I could, you could stone face tell someone, "Hey, I play Magic: The Gathering," and they're not going to think anything of. I mean, they might. I don't know. You know, I think you have a high-paying job. Depends on who you're talking to when you say that to them. Yeah, it, yeah. De- it depends if you're Davey or Smelly Dave. <laughs> it depends on who you are. Yeah. So, like, my experience has been like, and Pokemon is like retro enough with the whole '90s kid thing that, like, if you tell someone you unironically competitively play Pokemon, the trading card game, they're not going to think too much of it. Same with Magic the Gathering, because it's just the biggest card game. But you start bringing out the more obscure things like Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like, that's just weird. Fuck that, I play the Satch Bell trading card game. (laughs) We can go more obscure than that. Like, what about, like, Y Schwartz? Or, like, the Naruto card game. Like, that. people actually play that. You know what? I just realized we decided card games as uh, as a topic... It reminded me of the the furry card game, or the or whatever the hell it was there. Oh, I still have that recording on SoundCloud. Like, uh, we we got our friend Kyle to uh, d- to talk to us about this card game that he he saw. It was about like furries, and you have a bench, kind of like in a, a Pokemon training card game, how you have a bench, but they're like all these people in fursuits or like furry art, and your goal is to like climax your point. It was gross. Can't believe they have tournaments for that. I for one wouldn't be this guy's friend. <laughs> he was making fun of it. Don't worry. Like, he probably has a copy of it, but not, for all I know, I, I, that's not. He was in the position to know about this. Don't want to be that guy's friend. Oh Sorry, my God. Kyle, you fucking weird bastard. But no, that's NSA logic. Oh, you you went to a website that had an advertisement that had child porn on it, so we're gonna arrest you anyway, even though you were trying to download a movie. Like, no, that's like NSA logic there. No, that have you ever walked into a car? <laughs> I think it was an advertisement on a webpage that actually led him to find it in the first place. Okay, that Maybe. also sounds sketchy. 
Hold on, that also sounds sketchy. It led him to find it. Like, he kept clicking on shit. Like, yeah, I'm gonna click a random advertisement on a webpage. Red flag right there. Never click an advertisement. Why do you see ads? Why do you not have ad blocker? No, You're I'm saying he up. probably saw an advertisement for something that sounded, like, so ridiculous it couldn't exist, and he probably Googled it and found the website. Or maybe he clicked the ad. It doesn't matter. Nobody clicks ads. If an ad interests you, you just type it into Google. I, I still have my, uh... My reservations about this. Actually, I retcon that. If we ever do have advertisers and they hear that, don't do that, guys. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, click, click so you click every ad. Well, hey, podcast ads are always spoken, so it's usually go to their website and type in a code. So oh, yeah, I think we're, we're in the clear. That's why podcasting yeah. advertising is really effective because it's almost always it results in a discount. So if anyone wants to sponsor our show, <laughs> no, but let, let's get back on topic, guys. So, so Magic the Gathering. Actually, victim, you've been playing Magic the Gathering lately. I have. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, I don't have a deck yet, so I'm just using whatever they bring. I, I'll be honest. I understand why people dump money into the game. I, before, a while, like, while I'm like, I could play any card game and not spend nearly as much money as I see people spending on that game. But now I want to dump $50 into a deck. And I, I was thinking of even going pretty hard and getting a ninja deck because I heard about the different weird things you can do with ninjutsu. I just I don't know enough about magic to know if that's a good price for a deck. I have no idea either, to be fair. Well, the first question, Victim, is what format are you playing in? How serious are these people you're playing with? Like, ninjas is not a tournament thing, if that's where you're headed. Oh, no. We just do, like, for instance, he's he's got a, what he calls a chaos deck, which is literally, everything in the deck is just meant to disrupt the entire course of the game. It's not even meant for him to really win. So we just play with whatever we have. It's all like table rules. Like you play like a bunch of house rules and and stuff. Well, it's like basic rules, but we just don't give a shit. Like for instance, uh, I know there's a banned card, uh, Lightning Bolt or something like that. It's just like straight three direct damage. We we would use that card, banned cards or whatever. We also don't play one on one. We play like uh, like free for alls with like four of us. So stuff like that also isn't as overpowered in that sense, I guess. Okay. Have you ever um, played, what is it called, EDH? Commander. Commander, yeah. We we played once. I can't remember who I was using as a commander at the... But it was a... It was a, it was a fun time. There was a lot of re- really random stuff. Uh, in fact, that deck I was telling you guys about the random deck. He played Warp World and fucked us over. And <laughs> we basically had to start using other decks. And I managed to pull... Um, I didn't have any blue in my deck, but I managed to pull a blue mana, and it was just enough to get the starter cost on another card I pulled from someone else. All right, and so for those of you listening at home, uh, Warp World is a card that uh, it counts up everyone's cards in play, and then shuffles all those cards back into their deck and then puts that many cards back into play randomly. Uh, so you have the same amount of things in play, but they're going to be different. Not, not a fun time. Yeah. Well, depends on what you want, but it's chaotic. Like you said, chaos deck. Yeah, that's really it, clever. It, it was it was a fun time, but we like some of us were like super set up, and then when he warp world, it like completely shifted the balance of the match. It was it was so fun. Or funny, actually, it reminds I guess, me. But... Um, I don't play much Magic at all. Like the only cards I have, Cube gave to me, and you actually built the deck that I use, or you helped me. 
it was a black deck, and I remember like there was this card. I, I don't remember which one it was. It, it was either like Mortal Kombat or like literally like with a C, Mortal Kombat, or it was like this other one. Uh, but remember, the point of the deck was to like hurt yourself and the opponent as much as possible, so that way you're above them just slightly, but you're both dying very fast, and then you just end the game really quickly with cheap shots. And there was this one card that like you take all your cards and you you put you discard them all except for like what five. And then that becomes your new deck? Yes. Day. Doomsday. Doomsday. Which takes... It gets rid of your entire deck, but you get to keep five cards and form a pile with them. It also costs half your life. Uh, but uh, if Dylan were to assemble the right game-winning pile, his victory would be guaranteed the next turn. Mm-hmm. Or sooner. And half my life might just be one point of life if I have two points left, and you have yep. one. <laughs> oh, fair enough. What was that deck that you used against me, though? Like, there's this famous quote that Jordan and Mike keep saying. Where, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, why don't that you explain? That was a long time ago. So, quote, the quote for everyone is, I am not done with your turn yet. Uh, this was a deck uh, that was built entirely around cards called artifacts that were full of charge counters. So every, every my turn, I got a bunch of charge counters on my toys. And on your turn, I would remove counters from these artifacts, these tools, uh, to disrupt parts of your turn, put things back in your hand, stop the spell you were playing, make someone else draw cards, anything to disrupt your train of thought and get you to just pass the turn back to me so I could recharge. Um, so that's where I'm not done with your turn comes from. That's so great. He actually told us about that. Like, both me and Travis would try to end our turns and, uh, like, to stop him from doing what he was doing. He's like, I'm not done with your turn yet. Yeah. <laughs> and proceeds to keep doing the things. And then your turn's over. Yes. And it, because at end of turn, everyone gets a chance to cast stuff, um, including your opponents. And then your turn ends. So that is the trick there. <laughs> God, that reminds me. Um, like, speaking of crazy rules. So I, I do have another story. This is my first experience with the Pokemon trading card game. Now, most people's first experience with the Pokemon trading card game is when they're little, right? And they're, like, trading cards at the school, getting them banned at elementary school, right? Uh, yeah, I got plenty of stories about that. But no, like, that same friend that we were talking about earlier with that gross card game, like, he actually got me into Pokemon as a competitive trading card game because I wasn't playing any card games at the time. Because I I had stopped playing, you know, me and Sarge both had stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh! like years ago. Because we were, we were young. And I actually have a very specific reason why I quit playing that game that I'll get to in a minute. But, so the Pokemon trading card game, he, <clears throat> excuse me. The Pokemon trading card game, he, he builds me a deck to use. It is, the, the newest pack was Platinum. They're all themed after the games that as they release. So Pokemon Platinum was the newest pack. And there's the, um, the villains... From Platinum, I forget what they are, because I don't play the video game. I think they were called Team Galactic. Does that sound right? Team Galactic were the bad guys? Uh, yeah. I, I haven't played Pokemon in a long time. I don't, I'm out of my depth. Uh, no, I get that. So, there are these cards in the new meta, basically, for this pack, called Pokemon SPs. They'd have a little SP in the corner, and the, the gimmick was, they are evolved Pokemon that can be played like basic Pokemon. And they had a bunch of trainers and supporter cards that only worked on those type of Pokemon that have SP in their name or somewhere on the card. Like, it was written in such a way where they had, they had a bunch of tools that only they could use, basically. And they were kind of broken. And um, there was one in particular, Toxicroak, that did 
a ton of damage for no reason. Like, it was dumb. And I didn't fully understand how to play. And so here, here's the actual story. So I go, I go to a card shop back in Bremerton, right? This is, this is the same place where me and Sarge would play tons of Yu-Gi-Oh! when we were younger. I go, they're doing this tournament thing, right? This guy, he kind of looked like Smelly Dave, but he's not Smelly Dave. He's smellier. And his name's not Dave. He's smellier, not Dave. Smellier, not Dave. His name was actually Terry, in fact. Um, not anymore. <laughs> smelly, not Dave. Smelly, non Dave. I, I play against him, and I'm like, I, I tell him, hey, man, I, I'm new to this. My friend talked me into this. I, I need more time. And uh, he, was, he was like, don't worry, I'll help you out with the, with the effects of the cards, make sure they're all firing off properly. And, well, he wasn't lying. He did help, but it ended up beating him. After he gave me a like tw- like five minute story about some like kid who went to a tournament for the first time and played against the world champion because the world champion lives in our area, so he would show up. Literally, the the world champion. He, I don't think it was the champion. I I know who you're talking about because some of the Yu Gi Oh players play Pokemon, but I no like there was literally a world he, champion that I lives think he went to Worlds. No, he won. His picture was in the website. Did he win? Yeah. That might have been after I... Uh... He competed several times. He only won once. So, I mean... But anyway, so... That wasn't the guy they were talking about, though. He was just telling a story about this kid who went to a tournament. He fought against the world champion. He didn't know he was world champion. And he had this great learning experience about losing and, and, and how to get better. But I ended up beating him shortly after he tells this story. And he just has this dumbfounded look on his face like, Holy fuck. I just, like tried to like tell the story that kind of mirrors our experience right now where i sound like the world champion which i'll never be and then you defeat me mightily like it was a landslide (laughs) victory (laughs) that's pretty great actually uh with that same group of people that i was saying uh i went to the regionals and they gave me some cookie cutter ass machamp deck and i ended up not doing terrible if I had played Pokemon. Oh, hey, I know exactly that deck. Before that, yeah, if I had played Pokemon at all prior to this, I probably would have done much better. But I was just like, I was like one game from winning out of top sixteen. Oh, dude, that reminds me of another really funny story. So the reason that Machap deck was uh, meta was because it was counter meta. Because the meta was it was Pokemon SP bullshit that i was talking about and but they all kind of basic pokemon even though they're like evolved pokemon like luxray or fucking charizard right they play them as basics but machop set this particular like machamp has a poke power that says oh by the way uh if you hit someone with this attack and they're a basic pokemon they instantly die otherwise oh. it does like 40 damage and it takes one energy so Savage. You, you do the standard deck acceleration strategies and rare candy to get the pokemon and straight to machamp and you just start smacking them around it was great i mean it doesn't win every time because sps are that dangerous but it's a one-shot machine right and so sorry do you remember my stepfather right rocky we mentioned him on the show before so he played pokemon as well i talked him into it he he was a big fan he um (laughs) went with me to uh cities the city championships in uh seattle one year and he was playing against this guy during this period where that was the meta with Machamp and SPs and stuff, but he played a rogue deck, and when we call it, in Pokemon terms, a rogue deck, I mean, I think other card games probably call it that too. Yes. But it's basically a deck that is not in the meta, but it does well. 
Yes, that is that is also a term in magic. Row decks are decks that you cannot find online because no one is playing them. No one has invented them yet. Right. And often a rogue deck will go on to become a regular tournament deck. Almost all of my decks were rogue decks in, in my time playing Pokemon. I actually really enjoyed making a working rogue deck. But the point was, is, um, so he's using a deck that uses um, Garchomp and uh, Tyranitar. But um, Tyranitar was a very popular Pokemon SP. And so someone, you know, seeing that he, you know, he got his thing out, he got the, whatever the first evolution of Garchomp is, and he gets Garchomp out. He level X's him, which is another thing from that era where you place the level X card on top, and it's like, it takes on the new health and the new resistances, but it keeps the old attacks and whatever new attacks are present. It's like a super power-up. It's like a fourth evolution, if you will. So... He has that going. So now they have Mega Evolution, so it all fucks up. I, well, yeah, this was before Mega Evolutions was a thing. Yeah. And also, Pokemon competitive is, like, set-based. Like, they don't have a ban list like Yu-Gi-Oh! They just rotate entire sets out. Yeah. But for casual play, there are no restrictions at all. And they, they regulate their uh, casual play, in fact, and offer prizes to whoever is certified to, to set it up at a card shop. But that's another story for another day. So... He has Garchomp going, and he's doing his Garchomp thing. And then this dude's like Machoke, or Machamp. Or no, he goes uh, Machop, Rare Candy, Machamp, Energy, Attack. And he's like, oh, and that guy gets discarded because he's destroyed. And he's like, <laughs> and you know Rocky and how how like, how like he talks. He just, he looks at the dude, he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not a basic. <laughs> and the dude's face just sinks like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Because he was just so focused just on doing so used to meta it. stuff that he just didn't even consider what Rocky had on the field. He was just like, I'm just going to do the Machop thing and win, so I'm just going to not even pay attention. Wow. Yeah. Autopilot play. Autopilot meta bullshit is what that is. I can't fucking count the number of times in Yu-Gi-Oh! Somebody autopiloted against me and just, like, made the most drastic play mistakes. Dude, what the fuck happened to Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, I, I see it played sometimes in public, like in a card shop or something, and they their cards are all these weird colors now. I think they can, like, fuse on the fly. Like, what do they call it? Synchro thingies? I don't even okay. know. So. Yeah, Synchro Simmons. Synchro. It don't yeah. even, doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, Synchros are a special type. Some of them require a certain amount like a certain star requirement or number of monsters some require a certain monster but you basically have them on the field you can fly out throw them away in synchro i uh one of my most successful decks prior to becoming just a meta fucking nerd i was playing a not quite meta but it it wasn't a rogue deck entirely but it wasn't top tier meta it was a, a water-based deck you effectively just sought out to get, you either swarmed majorly with like big wave, small wave, which was a card that I believe it gets rid of all your monsters on the field. And then you can special summon as many normal water, mon not normal, just as many water monsters from your hand. So you don't have to drop uh, sacrifices or anything. And then you can swarm and just overpower them that way with effects and whatnot, or you can do that and then do some more stuff and end up with a synchro monster that like one turn KO'd them. And 
it pissed people off so much. It's just so weird. Like, I think I left at a good time. There was just no no setup for it, really. Like, if you had it on the field, it was popping out. Just hands down. I think Yu-Gi-Oh! was relatively stagnant when I stopped playing. It was before all that synchro crap came out. But it was like, the last couple months were, or the last couple packs were really stale. It stagnated around a meta for a while there. I don't know. Um, Unless you're Hippie Dave. Hippie Dave doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, but there was, um, shit, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Dad. Dad Dex. Dad, Light Sworn. And those were, it was a really stagnant meta there. Because I think people understood how difficult it was. But I think that uh, Konami, or whoever was setting rules, I think it was Konami, realized that they couldn't gut the deck without releasing more stuff. Because then it would just stagnate back a meta. And they couldn't do both, or it might lose a large chunk of the player base, or so on and so on. Yeah, they kind of rode themselves in the corner. Yeah, Konami really likes doing that. (laughs) <laughs> they did and then they I don't know why like clearly they didn't want to set up a deck based around one pack so if somebody goes in and just buys you know five boxes or whatever and then it's like ha 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 like now I now have this god tier deck so they, they couldn't do that so they released one thing and then those decks got a little bit stronger they got to ban out some stuff and they made uh they also don't ban on the fly. They do like, I think it's every six months they'll revise. They'll do a new list, like one in January and one in October or some shit. It's not. It's not six months. But speaking of that stagnant meta, though, like the 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 moment I decided to quit, like I don't know if I told you about this, but like I finally got something good. I may have actually mentioned this on the damn show. Like I got something really good out of a pack that you know was desirable that I didn't want to play with. And I tried to trade it to someone for something that actually would have helped me out a lot. I forget what these cards were. His reason for turning down the trade was, I don't want to play against that. And, you know, the car- at the Genie's Card Shop, like, what they did was the tournaments, you all, everyone pays in five bucks, even if you get knocked out in the first round, and the winner takes home a full deck box for free. Not a full deck box. It was like... a lot of freaking packs, though. No, no, okay. They had it to where, like, you got, like, five packs if you won. No, it was like 10. Not near the end there. Like, some people were getting a lot, but... Well, that card shop went out of business for a reason. I mean, let's be real. It probably went out of business because it wasn't a full-on card shop. Yeah, like, most of the shop was actually a, um, a medical, like, scrubs, like, seller. Jeannie also retired. I, I yep, know that. she did. So, and her son's kind of a weirdo. Well, whoever took it over, I'm going to imagine, fucked it up. Mm-hmm. Her son had a lot of medical problems. He's always in and out of the hospital too. So, yeah. It's okay. We have we have Discordia now, which is better <laughs> in every way. Speaking Did of, Discordia uh, that... pick up the slack on the Yu-Gi-Oh? And everything? Yes. Well, the Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know. Yu-Gi-Oh is dead in Bremerton. Which um, is fine with me. There are a few people are... still playing, but cards aren't even sold at the stores other than packs. They don't keep like singles in stock or anything. They didn't really keep singles in stock in genies either like that's not a huge like they had boxes of fucking commons and stuff you get them for a penny 
but they didn't really yeah. achieve much. But um, Discord is just a better shop in general because like you can do anything there. Like you you don't have like a racks and upon Wait. racks of scrubs to shift through to find room to sit down. What about in um? Did you ever see the new Discordia, by the way? Like, I know you went to the one that was next to 7-Eleven, up those big stairs. They had to move. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. And I saw the outside of it. I never went in to the new one. Um, what about downtown? I can't remember the name. It has a bunch of board games. It oh, has tabletop. you're talking about Blue Sky. Yep. Blue, Blue Sky. Is there. We, we did Yu-Gi-Oh! there for a while. I don't know. I wasn't around in Blue Skies often enough to really know what they play there. All I know is it's very Warhammer focused because they have those big tables. Yeah, we um, we did Yu-Gi-Oh there for a little bit, and I don't know if people ended up going back to Genies or whatnot. I can't even remember why we did it there. It was like, I think because Genie was wanting to close the store earlier or something, or maybe we were just pissed at Genie. I can't remember, but we we were doing it there, so they might be still doing. Might still be doing Yu-Gi-Oh there. I don't know. But then again, the tournament scene, when I was getting out of it, started getting really fucked up. Like, instead of people, like, however Konami did it, or whatever, you would go to the tournament, and there'd be like, it'd be like a third party running the tournament officially for Konami. So you'd go to, like, uh, regionals, and it would be these people. Well, at some point, you... One of the regionals, I think it was the last one I went to, they were stopping regionals or some shit. I can't remember. And you had to get a Konami card, and they were moving regionals or some shit like that. It wasn't going to be in the Seattle Center anymore. Just convoluted. It, it just, yeah, it just, like, whatever group, I can't remember fucking what group it was, but it was, like, a known name. You know what I mean? Like, like if Wizards stopped doing magic, except... That was when Wizards of the Coast was still a thing. But, like, yeah, Wizards was, like, the big fucking, like, that's where you'd go to play everything. You'd go play Magic there. You'd go do whatever. They were the card shop. They were... Their, their booth in the, the Kitsap Mall was so cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Wizards of the Coast was a big deal. And when they ended up going out of business or whatever, I imagine that caused some issue for... The Magic the Gathering tournaments and stuff, like, it turmoiled the whole scene. And that's kind of when I got out of it. It got fucked up. Like, you no longer could go in and buy, like... When it was ran through Konami or whatever, there was... The vendors had issues with Konami, so they couldn't get in. So I would get in there, and I could buy older packs that could still have good cards in them from vendors who were selling them dirt cheap because they're just old product that nobody's buying at their shop right and they would just pour these boxes you know that were already open because maybe a little kid came in and was like oh, i want one of those with the blue eyes white dragon on it and so you know they'd sell two or three but then they'd have a fucking open box and they couldn't like send it back to konami so they would end up dumping them all in there and they'd sell them off not at a super high profit but on the total box they'd make a little bit of money from what they bought it from konami i imagine so you'd get a pack for a buck fifty or whatever, which was awesome. Like, even if you got nothing that, like, even if you were searching for one card that was maybe top in rarity, you know, and you didn't get it, you were still getting these fresh out of the pack, like, 
cards from these old sets that some places didn't even sell anymore. Like these people, these places could have overstocked them or whatnot. Like, so it was it was cool. Like, I remember going and I spent like forty five dollars on packs that were just first edition packs, and I didn't even open them at regionals. And I ended up trading a lot of them for the uh, special. It was a pre release. That's pretty smart, actually. Just trading the packs unopened for stuff. Well, I traded the packs unopened for the pre-release card, which later on in life, like, I went through, I made like $400 that day because I had so many of those pre-release cards. Like, pretty much everybody in there who didn't want their fucking pre-release card, I got it. And then people who wanted more, I sold it to them. But I had the monopoly on it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it was like, me and my friends, it was me, Justice, and Nafa. And we were walking around and we had there's probably 300 400 people there and we each kind of just got them we we either traded out of our we were a team quote unquote so we had a a consolidated trade binder so we'd either trade out of that trade the packs you know throw some money i think we would give like 250 for the pre-release card and if somebody was looking for them they ended up at us and we'd be like, yeah, you know, six bucks, seven bucks. Later on, we'd be like, ten bucks. I I had a copy. We each had a set of three for ourselves, and we planned on keeping it. But since we were the only people with them, supply and demand, we ended up... I know I ended up selling my three, my complete set of three, because that's how many you can have in a deck, for like 25 a piece or something. But then that card became really broken. Later on, they released... It was a plant-based monster, and it did cool mm. plant stuff. Cool plant and, stuff. Yeah, cool plant stuff. And Still it, good. it became really... It became probably a $30, $35 card, which I wasn't too sad about, <laughs> because, you know, I made much more money, but it's one of those times, like, dude, if I had just kept all of those, like, oh... Because they're the people... You could get it out of the pack by itself right you could open it up and be like oh yeah i got it but the pre-release version there's always the people like i was one of those people in my deck i'd be like oh yeah mystical space typhoon now there is a holographic mystical space typhoon from an old set or whatever right and that one everyone would be so envious of their like holographic mystical space typhoons like this is the most common card in the game but you have the shiny one and i don't exactly exactly my penis has to be bigger by having all the shiny things dude pokemon have have... the same problem because you know how pokemon decks are full of energy right well you can get holographic energies too (laughs) exactly it's a genius thing from the trading card companies but like the pre-release one is better than the holographic one. So now I gotta wonder, victim. Does Clearly. this sound like a first world problem to you? What's the trading card scene like where you live? <laughs> is well, there even one? <laughs> well, there is. We have two game shops in the city, and we have one that's in the city over that get a lot of traffic. I haven't been to the one Heroes Beacon that's like in the more like the central uh, central part of town. Um, but I've been to the one that's like on the other side of town from me. Um, and they, they have tournaments all the time, actually more than just card games too. They even do video games. We came in third place in a big, uh, league of legends tournament like years ago. Um, that's not a trading card. Well, no, but I, uh, yeah, <laughs> but they, they, they do a lot of magic. They do a lot of, uh, I want to say they do Yu-Gi-Oh, but I, I don't, Fully, I know they don't sell Yu-Gi-Oh packs anymore. They used to sell a lot of um, 
World of Warcraft trading cards, at least back before Hearthstone came out. Because I bought a couple packs while I was there, and just so I could see if I could get free stuff in the game. I remember that. So I mentioned um, card shops earlier, specifically the one in Bermonton that's still open. Um, one of the reasons I like that card shop, and also Blue Skies is good too, not just Discordia, but like, you can do more than just like card games there. Like, I know Discordia has like a room in the back where you can like you can like play like Dungeons and Dragons, and it doesn't really cancel the sound out, but it's like no better. It helps a little. But the other thing, at least at most of the game stores I've been to, is they don't really care if you sit down and pull out like a board game if you guys want to sit down and play like Settlers of Catan, or if you just want to occupy a table and sit around and talk. Most shops that I've been to are okay with that, uh, including Discordia and Blue Skies. Mm-hmm. Especially Blue Skies, because they double as a coffee shop. They have, like, a barista stand. Damn. Like, they actually want you just to spend time there. Yep. And so, like, I remember at Blue Skies, I played, um, I think it was, sadly, the last time I played D&D in person, unfortunately. But uh, you were there. It was, uh, Jordan was a DM, and I played my insane cleric that did, had the, the powers. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but we... Um, so after we played a couple sessions of that game, we stopped playing it, right? Which was sad and all, but we we, we let Robbie play Ogard. Uh, so I mean, it was gonna it wasn't gonna go far anyway before it got broken <laughs> by the rules. But um, Jordan relaunched that game, that very same campaign with the very same like just red ribbon seeds of um yeah oh, yes it was okay okay so the very same seeds of world creation, except it went on for months online on Discord. Well, it started on Mumble, and I was able to record it, and it's still on my SoundCloud, but after we moved to Discord, nobody wanted to go on Mumble anymore, so we can't record them. Like, if I ever have time to DM my own, which I've been meaning to do for a while now, because I haven't actually done it. I mean, Victim, you you never DM before, and then you just kind of did it, and it was great, and you just kind of winged it with Jordan's help. It was That's the way I want to try. It can't be hard once you get into it. Yeah, I'm sure it's challenging. I would, I would say the the hardest part mm-hmm. is just like coming up with something that you will feel comfortable running people through. Like if I want to run something through a a story that I had like for a novel that I just never ran with, if to me it feels a little bit uncomfortable. So I feel when I DM, I have to create a world for it, and that was the mistake I made last time I DM'd is I decided to say, fuck it. And I ended up running into so many problems trying to write up stuff for them. So I ended up just canceling the game. They, they kept they kept going in different directions that you could not predict or accommodate? A little bit. It, it was also more along the lines of, like, I know what I have as a setting, but how much of that setting can I use before I start pushing them into areas that I didn't really want to develop? And yeah, it just it just got really odd and awkward for me i remember uh, that one campaign that you ran um was the first time i ever played an evil character in a party and i only did it because you told me straight up that like alignment detection spells would not be included yeah and it was one of the most satisfying experience i think i ever had because like i was able to just be an asshole <laughs> and then when nobody knew that i was like literally evil you even get to kill one of the party members did I really? I don't remember. Yeah, when that. Uh, you had Who your, did I kill? your dragon spit acid all over Jordan. He he was in the way. He was in the way, but still. <laughs> I was a dragon rider, some like Pathfinder homebrew bullshit. <laughs> Pretty sure I've heard the end of that story from Jordan's side. 
Yes. That was one of the most satisfying parts was uh, at the end, uh, there is a satisfying conclusion. And then Victim pulled all of us aside one-on-one to tell us like what happens after the ending. And each of us heard something different. But it all like lines up. I, st- I, don't, I don't even know what he told Jordan. All I know is um, what he told V-Dog and what he told Destiny. Which is funny because um, my, uh, what he told me happens after what he told V-Dog. And I kind of ruin his day after he has his glory. And I don't even think he knows. But we never went back to that. So he'll never know. I've been meaning to. But V-Dog actually told me. I For a little while I was trying to write my own system. Because there was a lot of things in Pathfinder I felt could have been either like done a different way or whatever. So I just wanted to write my own system. But uh, I ran a bunch of shit by V-Dog. And he was like, you should run the second version or the second act of your game in that. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. And then I looked at my D20 system. I'm like, I'm nowhere near done <laughs> with this. And I haven't really worked on it. Well, hey, my new guy there one day. Hopefully. I, it's a lot of fun working on stuff. Having like mechanics and like a world to ground stuff in is so much better than trying to write a novel. So, since we have Cube here, can you tell us what is your greatest horror story for being a DM? So I'm sure whatever you have to tell us is better than what we could possibly answer for the same question. Nonsense. Everyone has valuable and interesting stories to tell. Uh, so, the horror story. So when I first moved to Bremerton, uh, I did not uh, have people to play D&D with. And I had had these D&D books since I was like 13, and I'd read them cover to cover many times, and I'd run a game with my one little friend in Alaska. And so I wanted to run a D&D game, so I went to Discordia probably, oh, seven or eight years ago now, and I put up an ad on their corkboard that said wanting players, and I had my phone number on it, and I actually sat down and literally interviewed people and stuff. But what happened was everyone that sat down wanted to bring one of their friends. So when it came game time, I had made a horrible miscalculation, and I sat down at the table with 11 players. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And they... Every player was wanting something different. We had a guy who was playing a samurai that just wanted to actually just hang out and eat snacks and then occasionally pretend to be a samurai for a few minutes in our medieval D&D game. Uh, We had another guy who had built a meta cleric build that was built to light himself on fire and then hug people to death while being immune to his own holy damage. Um, And then we had uh, another guy uh, who was playing an elf who had... Two carts, four mules, and an entourage. And he was a scientist, so he had, like, (laughs) lodestones and magnets and fishhooks and all this stuff in his character sheet that I was like, holy crap, we're never going to town again, are we? And so we we got onto this, there was a a futuristic kind of train that was run by the gnomes using actual magnetism in this game. And we got into combat, and what happened was a sorcerer in our party... Uh, scorching raid a train car full of orcs and just punched holes in it and it fell off the tracks along with all the other cars and then our our party just proceeded to murder those orcs and the surrounding forest and if things had not been finagled they probably would have burned all themselves to death too except for the fire resistant guy how do you murder a forest they burn it down yeah they hit it with scorching ray which ignited it and no one, no one had a water spell or a contingency for that prepared. Not even the guy with two carts. He was just like, I have buckets and like some five-gallon containers of water, but there's no river nearby. Uh, the good news is they stopped the orcish assault of like 
a couple hundred orcs that were riding into town. That was cool. But the problem with the 11-player game, the reason why it was so bad, was having to focus on that many people and make sure they all had time to do something in the game. Uh, even with five or six people, uh, as you guys may have experienced, that is hard. Even harder so when they're not sitting in front of you. But having 11 people in the room clamoring for your attention, asking questions, trying to learn their characters, and trying to interact with each other is just a terrible idea. After that, my player limit was like six, and I have stuck to that ever since. So that is the literal train wreck game. <laughs> where it ended in this giant conflagration and and all this cacophony of talking that I couldn't figure out as we all tried to resolve how much burning everyone was taking. <laughs> and I just, at the end of that session, I was like, all right, guys, uh, I have to go like do school stuff now because I'm still in high school and we're going to put the game on hiatus. I'll contact you all later. And I never did. However, I kept a couple of those people and I still play games with them to this day. Um, but most nice. of them know. But most of them anyway, know. Back to you guys. So I was, I was, I was thinking of a different story that you would tell, but I guess not. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, mind me. I, I now need to scorching ray a forest. That is my life goal. Bucket list item number so seven. Sarge is getting put on the NSA's arson watch list. And Cube, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was thinking you were going to tell the story about that's Robbie's story. He was the DM. What? Those two girls. Oh, I was in that game, though, and I could relate the short notes version. Okay, let's hear the short notes version. Uh, so, uh, um, Sarge, uh, you've, you have you lived in Bremerton. You're familiar with Olympic College, right? Has Dylan introduced you guys to the yeah. subspecies of folks known as couchies that live, reside there? Subhuman filth. No. I think, no, like... <laughs> I think someone... You, someone if you've walked through the college, them. through the student center, you will see people on the couches. And what you'll notice if you go to school there for a year is that... They don't leave. They don't leave, and they keep, they keep staying there. And some people have been going to school there for six or seven years, and they're still on the couches, on the laptops, playing games or whatever. I think some of them were students at some point. And some of them aren't. And many of them are not. Either they dropped out, or they just never went in the first yeah. place. I know at least one of those fuckers goes to school there, and he gives, he gives his Wi-Fi password to all of them. Yeah, because I used to work for the IT department there. I know all you need is one dude's Wi-Fi password, and you're yep. all on. So essentially, what happened uh, is we were we were desperate for players, and I had been hanging out. I think I don't remember if it was with Dylan there, uh, but it was uh, with my my friend Robbie, uh, who Dylan has mentioned, and uh, I had been interacting with that circle. And there were some people there that I got along okay with. Um, Dylan probably knows Skylar. We mm -hmm. still play cards. I mean, I, I tried to socialize with the people who were at those yeah. couches, too. It, we didn't start, like, distancing ourselves from them until we realized just how bad it was. This is an but, example. But we, we got, we got, we got these, these two girls that were new to the whole college thing. We didn't, we didn't know who they were, how they would be, uh, but we had met them, and they were okay. We invited them to come play D&D &D with us at Discordia. And Robbie was running the game, but I was playing in it. And uh, what happened is we, Robbie and I, for many years, we brought snacks for everyone until we realized that the donation jar just wasn't working out. And we decided we had put in enough money into feeding people. But this was one of the times when we brought snacks and we had brought chips and uh, the little uh, pint jars of cheese. Right. Chips, salsa, and vanilla yeah. Coke, right? And there are, that's the standard. Yes. There are two things that happened that made us uh, change the day and break all contact with these girls. The first thing was we spent a half hour where one of the girls said, uh, it wasn't one of the girls. Uh, I think 
it was our other player who I don't remember that said, I have my hawk fly in a circle around the above the town to scout ahead. And one of the girls chimed in and said, well, hawks can't fly in a perfect circle. And then a half hour later, we were still, she was still going about it. And the guy was like, well, generally, you know, I, you know what I mean. I just want him to, to go around kind of the circuit of the walls and have a look at, no, couldn't have that. Hawks can't fly in a circle. Wah, 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 wah. I tuned it out. That's why I don't remember the rest. Thirty of that. minutes. I'm I talking about the timer though. Flying in a circle. I remember that we couldn't progress. The next thing, though, the next thing that happened was the we were eating the chips and the cheese, and the lid uh, we had left to the side, you know, sticky side up, so it doesn't get all over the table. And one of the girls grabbed the lid and licked all the cheese off of it, and then put the lid back onto the ch- the cheese jar. And Robbie just kind of looked at her with his mouth hanging open, slack-jawed, and so did I. And then after, like, ten seconds, Robbie was like, that's that's not okay. And I was like, and she was like, oh, no, I didn't I didn't touch the cheese in the jar. It's fine. And then we, Robbie and I looked at each other, and we were both like, that's your cheese now. You can take that home with you. Uh, and ever since, uh, Robbie has brought a couple jars of salsa with him when he eats. And uh, he keeps one of those jars on his person. And in case the other jar gets contaminated, and uh, he also charges a quarter per can for soda, uh, sometimes, which is fine. Sometimes depends on who you're with. Yeah, he doesn't actually bring the cans very much anymore. Mm. He's he's gotten to the point where he just brings a couple cans in his bag for him. Um, mm. But we haven't actually sat down to play D and D in a long time mm. since last year. It's just easier for me to do it online, or anyway, else I'd, I'd be contributing to your. Lack of D and D. That's fine. That's that's the story of the two girls with whom we which we had to avoid. Essentially, we stopped going to that area of the college, and even though we told them they weren't invited back, and we kept running the game on Thursday, they kept coming back to our game, and they were just like, "Oh, we'll just hang out," and we kept telling them no, they needed to leave and not play with us, so we had to change the day and not tell them. I need to petition for this story to be called Two Girls." one cheese dip that's gonna be the episode title now (laughs) i will pass the ball back to you guys that is the story we've had cube talk enough victim you got to tell us worst DD experience so far you're new to this it's gonna be probably a story i've heard but sarge maybe not you don't have to be the dm you could have been a player what's the worst time you've had well i will start off by saying we've actually had situations like what cube said not with the cheese dip but with the uh like, we spend way too much time lawyering on something that just doesn't fucking matter. Namely, I won't, well, I won't use names, but there's a, a couple of people who do it consistently. But I don't think we've ever spent half an hour on something before. That's oh, I insane. Know. <laughs> I, well, a horror story for me was, wasn't player-based. It was actually myself. And not realizing that the CR on Creatures in Pathfinder doesn't necessarily equate to difficulty level. Which is which is a bad thing. If if anyone from Paizo ever, ever watches this, please, please fix it. Watches shit. it with their earballs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I pitted them up against a champion, and I, I think it was like a CR just one above what the party was. But we also had a what like one, two, three, four, five members plus your dragon. Well, this so was that basically game. six. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it was right before you killed Jordan, actually. It was when the wall exploded. It was like a, a hidden, a false wall. And the dude's bodyguard for the guy you were there to get walked out. 
I'm like, oh, he attacks you, Mike. Uh, I insta-kill Mike instantly. I knocked him well below his threshold. And I'm like, huh. This guy hits a little hard. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I look I look over his stats again, and I'm like, oh, he's got a 20 to hit. I, I realized this guy was probably like at least six or seven CRs above them. Well, I didn't bother to look at it until after the fact. So I had slaughtered Mike. Um, and then when he hit Jordan the next time, he almost killed Jordan, which is why Jordan couldn't move out of the way when the acid splash came by. Rip. <laughs> and I was like, I just slaughtered them. Like, you're really unfair. Too. Like animals. Like, I, just, I, never, I never mentioned it until now, actually. I don't think I ever told him that, that I had accidentally put that guy there. So how many levels above was he? Um, it didn't have any levels listed is why I just went off a CR. I, he was like, what, you guys would have been like level seven or eight by that point. I think he was CR nine. I was just thinking he's a fighter and he's got 20 to hit. I'm thinking, well, he's maybe he's a boss. I'm like, okay, I'll use him as a boss. But then I looked over his stats after I'd killed Mike and I'm like, oh God, like if I had used him to his full potential, I could have slaughtered the whole party. So after I killed Mike, I like toned it back a bit. I'm like, all right, time to lie about his stats. He's a way weaker now. <laughs> it's too late to turn back time. Yep. Oh, that's just funny. <laughs> that reminds me of poor Jordan. Like, how many bosses has he written that that Jalen Salamander just one shot? Like, I don't even remember the number. Oh my god. Well, you killed the sand golem with a cannon. You killed the two-headed Draco Lich with a brothel. Who else did remember you kill? Remember the thing that you triple 20 that was immune to your damage type? I was so pissed. Like, it was a slime. I triple 20 the yep. slime. And I triple 20 some lady, like, yep. before that in the same session. I'm like, I just got two triple 20s in one campaign. It was like a gift from above. And it, like, they're immune to crits. And it's a slime. You need a bashing weapon. I'm like, fuck! Do you remember, Dylan, the first game that we played in Jordan's campaign uh, where he had us fight those white m white blobby mold things? And they were they were immune to everything except bludgeoning damage, and they would keep splitting? Uh, I don't quite remember how was that played out. Well, what happened was no one had any bludgeoning damage. <laughs> That's right. And Robbie was playing Ogard, so our only solution, which... No, which... that was at Mike's house. It was Mike's? Yes. Okay. It was at Mike's house, and I remember um, I was playing a samurai. Okay. Which is why I didn't have a bludgeoning weapon. Right. And at, after, before, after the slimes was skeletons, and that's what pissed me off even more. Because I'm like, why can't I just horizontally slice them at the spine? Oh, that's a that's a targeted attack, a called shot, and I missed every one of them. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, so that was that was a rough time uh, in terms of picking monsters as well. Was Jordan didn't realize they were immune until we were in, and then and then he didn't realize we weren't prepared until an hour into combat. But yeah. uh, do continue. So um so poor Jordan had the red ribbon game where I played an insane cleric and I had valid reason. So it was like wasn't it like your first campaign victim? Like very first? Well, before that I had played a couple of sessions. I think I played two or three sessions of a game with Mike that was specifically meant for us to learn. Like it was Oh right. Like you guys were fighting mind, a dragon but... in a cave and Mike was like playing an NPC or a character, and he was like, look, I cut the ropes above the dragon, and all these barrels fall down. And then you and V-Dog were like, what, you can do that? He's like, yeah, you gotta get creative. <laughs> yeah, well... Basic learning. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we had done that session, and then we also did a Mutants and Mastermind session before that. 
was which was just a single session. And even a little bit before that, we did a Kobolds Eat My Babies session. Oh, Kobolds Eat My but Babies, that's right. Aziza was on that Red one, Ribbon actually. Was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was. But uh, Red Ribbon was the first time serious we had played fantasy serious and dandy. actually went in it. So let me explain. So Red Ribbon, like me and Cube played with Jordan in person on this campaign. But um, so Cube and our friend Robbie, like they were playing two brothers, except Robbie was playing his one of his famous returning characters called Ogard Osgard of Asgard Isgard, who is this like frenzied berserker frenzied berserker who claimed that he was a battle priest of odin claims he's a battle priest of odin yep. and he would like make titles for himself on the fly because he introduces himself with his full title every time so like he would go into like a dungeon and come out and like introduce himself to like someone like an npc in a town and be like i am ogod osgod of asgod is god door crusher goblin breaker treasure taker and it'd be different every time so he was a very simple man, but they broke the game. Like they were so powerful. Well, see what <laughs> happened was Robbie and I had built the same build and we were both playing leaping, pouncing charge barbarians. So we would, we, it, we got one attack each turn and we would, if we were at a distance from our target, we could run in leap and get about a time six multiplier on whatever damage dice we rolled. Robbie's dice were more so because he had gone the berserker route and I had gone the straight fighter route. Um, so Robbie was consistently doing like 100 damage around to one target at level 7. Yeah. Which one shot a few of Jordan's bosses. Yes. I was speculating <laughs> to grappling large sea monsters which totally came in useful. Didn't at all. So my ability to swim, though, it's true. Like a fish, <laughs> the manliest man. I always imagined that uh, Angvard Osgard, your character, was yep. like Fernando from the Sexual Lobster videos because you you have a spear and you you hunt yes, fish I monsters. I could swim Squid with hunter. full move speed, so forty feet every three seconds. Good lord! <laughs> it's like Michael Phelps levels of of, of uh, squid hunting. Yes, sorry. I have a question. I was wondering when you you were just talking about DMing. I was wondering uh, if you have an idea of when you want. Yeah, to Yeah, I need to get this school thing cleared out of the way now. So, my my son will be around here in a couple months, right? Yep. Miller Lite. Miller Lite. <laughs> Funny. So, um, but I'm not to, I'm not going to school during the summer for this reason. It doesn't mean I'm going to be less busy. Yeah. But the whole work and school thing, there, there's no. It doesn't get any busier than that, no matter what I'm doing. So, there'll be more time in the summer. Uh, whatever I do will probably be short, and and stop before school returns. I get you in the fall because the fall quarter should be my last quarter. I'm, I'm forever. Totally fine with that. Uh, anyway, I got a couple more stories for you, so let me, let me get through these. So red ribbon, right? Jalen Salamander, which is spelled like Galen Salamander, which is the name of that dude from Star Wars: The Force Awakens that you play as. Like that was his real name. Yep. They just call him Star Killer, and they reused his first name in Rogue One. I was so happy. I'm like, ah, I understood that reference. It was like the main character chick's dad. Same name. That was awesome. And then I just gave him the last name of Salamander because it was a reference to like a GURPS character I played for a day. whose name was like Salamander Big Stick. He was very, very simple nightclub bouncer. Very simple minded. So it, like, I, like we were saying, this was like Victim and V-Dog's like first serious fantasy session. So Salamander Big Stick was a character who was like really simple minded and was like, well, whatever. I'll just reuse this name because I like the name Salamander. So that became like his last name. So I made a character that was deliberately not party leader material because i knew that if i played party leader material like if i made another reptile 
right? Which was the name I gave like my first couple characters I ever made, and they have nothing to do with Mortal Kombat, nothing to do with reptiles, nothing to do with the color green. They were just named reptile for no reason, and it was like the funniest deadpan humor I could think of for a name. The first one was actually a wizard. It was a very funny wizard. Uh, the, there's no time in this episode for those stories, but I will next time because I have another story after this. So Jalen Salamander, he um was very much insane. Um, and it was the same character I played in the, the live session that I played with you, Cube. So uh, what happened was um, Jalen remembered the events as they happened with, Os- with, with Ogard and the crew. And when they, ev- when they happen slightly different, he loses his mind <laughs> until we get past that part of the story. Because he played it off like it was a dream. And so like when I didn't get the Chaos Revolver at first from the the red lady like i started flipping out like i really need that because <laughs> it was like the, what made or broke my character because uh what jordan had said was uh, we're not buying magic items but we will be immediately awarded relevant magic items to help us get by that are relevant to our characters and then he had like special plans for how magic items are d- distributed and existing in the world so that was all good and fun but what made it fun was um it forced v-dog and victim to like make um good decisions like they they very quickly became main characters uh mike was more of a mentor because like victim's character was like employed by him to be a bodyguard but they were like friends victim i had to re-explain that one i don't remember the relationship between the two of them but mike's character was named magnus tenhen it was one of my favorite characters mike has ever played and he was like a wizard and i just we, we went on really crazy adventures and what ended up happening with, with jalen salamander is that he had a god that was like a homebrew 3.5 god. And he was a cleric, by the way. His, his god was named Zom. And was the god of true chaos. And he was chaotic neutral. So I could heal them because I'm, I'm neutral. But like, I wasn't a good person. <laughs> and I was, I was clinically insane. And I had the rod of Zom. Which for some reason was in revolver form. Even though it's a, a literal rod. Magic item. And basically, there's this table on the web page where the DM, Jordan, rolls a D100 and maybe additional dice afterwards based on what he rolled to determine the effect. So this is what I was getting at. I one-shot so many of Jordan's bosses because, like, for example, there was a demon prince flying above that we probably could have avoided or agitated to a boss fight that would have been really challenging. I (laughs) shot the Chaos Revolver at him, which is the Rod of Zom, and based on what Jordan rolled... He took my race. Like, he became a human. And so he fell to his death and got sent back to his home plane. Yep. I actually remember this. <laughs> he, he, sent, he sent me the, the chart that he had to roll on. He had actually read it wrong at first. Because when he explained part of it, before, before this it was even a, a situation, he explained part of the, this specific part saying that it would change your race. But then he realized, wait a minute, this is a rod. And then he read the way it worked and realized that, no, it wasn't changing your race. It was changing someone else's race. And so it just happened to roll that, like, after explaining that, um, or after coming to that conclusion. I think, wasn't Travis's paladin character being carried by that thing? Yes. <laughs> At the t- yeah, it carried away one of our party members. So I was like, well, fuck that. And he just shot the, the demon and, <laughs> and turned into a human and fought to its death. Instant death. We didn't have to fight him at all. And we always made the joke that... Um, since there wasn't anything to say, like how long he was a human for, um, when he died, he was sent back to the demon plane as a human. 
and he was a demon prince. And I have a small uh, side tidbit to add. Uh, Zom is actually a god from the dungeon crawl game Crawl, which is available hmm. for free online. So if you ever want to experience being one of Zom's disciples, uh, go play Crawl and get to the fourth level and select Zom at the altar. Oh, and enjoy the chaos. <laughs> So, like, Jordan had a... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Hold on. I, I a, You said you were talking about the Rod of Zom. Is that the same rod that you, like... I think you said you were fighting a dragon, and you ended up dropping that was a, a lich. tablet so, on his head? A two-headed Draco Lich. So, liches oh, can't yes, really lich. be killed until you, yes. like, crush their phylactery, right? But if you crush them, like, it kills them for a while. And then they reform somewhere else later, like yeah. much, much later. And so by dropping a building on it, it was kind of like that scene from, um, what's that movie? Uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz. I'm just going to let you flounder, okay. And so we dropped a house on him, which was actually a brothel with 3D6 whores of the opposite sex attracted to me. Um, and uh, yeah, that lich was dead. He spent over like three hours creating that boss. It was like a double-headed, like, lich monstrous thing. You know what's funny? I remember him saying something about the flag tree being within the vicinity, too. So every time he reformed, he was just under it and died instantly. So you actually forced him to to reform and die over and over and over again. At some point, I believe his his remains will teleport away or something. Like, there was something in there. Well, yeah, he would teleport you to your phylactery. Right. But for a while, he's, he's stuck there for quite a while. It sounds like the perfect God of Chaos thing to do. Like, ha ha ha, now you're fucking alive, dead, yes. alive, dead, alive, dead, alive, dead. Like, fuck you. Just permanently just so to appease, To appease GG Zom, Nuri. right? Like, I made it my life's mission to stop the, uh, the calm of the ocean. Because um, one of my religious tenets as a worshiper of Zom is that liquid should not be contained, right? Or, or manipulated. Because it's like the most pure form of chaos. It just flows, right? So I'm against the containment of liquids. <laughs> I would not. He wouldn't drink. Not quite like that. No, but anyway, so no. This world, the plane that we were on, um, the, there was an ocean dividing the two major continents. That were. Uh, it's kind of like how the real world is. Like we're a lot closer to the shores of Russia than we are to the shores of like Spain. Right. Right. So the shorter of two oceans is like totally calm and all the only technology around is uh, sailboat technology so you'd have to paddle quite a ways and it's just infeasible for trade so that caused a lot of uh, tension between the two nations and they're at war but they don't know why they're at war it was a big conspiracy that we unraveled and i thought that you know there's this artifact by a lawful god in the ocean that is causing it and my life's goal was to stop it and i did um what Jalen would do is at the end of the day, before he goes to bed, he would cast a spell with a metamagic feat, uh, detect law, and then he would extend it to 24 hours and go to bed. So he'd wake up and he would just have like, for the most of the day, he would have <laughs> sight of law. Because yep. he didn't care if you were good or evil. He just didn't trust you if you were lawful. Whereas neutral and chaos is like totally fine. Totally the cleric way to play chaos. <laughs> so... I ended up destroying this artifact after much struggle, and uh, the lawful god that created it eventually like tricked us or found a way to get us into their plane of existence. And you see, Jordan had planned for this. The god was not friendly to us, especially because we destroyed the artifact. But it was like it was probably going to let us go. But if it didn't, like I had this like gem thing that Jordan gave me that if I broke it, I would get to use the, the I'd be able to cast wish once. It, you actually, that's what you. You receive that after breaking her spell. 
Yes. It was like the it was one of the artifacts used to make her spell. So you know, Jordan gave us a clever out to um to not get you know boned by this god, and so we end up diplomacy our way out of the situation at like a dinner table well, full of. It quickly turned into yeah. arguments where she was like, "Oh, I can't help you. I can't control them," and we're like, "Well, bitch, <laughs> they worship you." <laughs> and then Jordan or someone's like, "Well, that's just how the gods work in this world." I'm like, "Yeah, but our characters wouldn't know that," you know, like I. I and I love what you did, and I'll let you. Yeah, okay, I'll let so you tell. we eventually, like, after diplomatizing our way around the the goons in that plane, we we had like a banquet or something. It was weird. We eventually get moved over to this isolated little floating island where the avatar of this god was. And then, um, so <clears throat> I had been slowly gnawing at my arm, trying to remove my arm because I could detect law on like a little speck of it. It was a tracker device of some kind, some sort of spell. It was dumb, but that's what it was. Jordan was just trying to mess with me. Well, fortunately, I didn't actually get rid of my arm. Um, and so I, I forget what I said. But Well, not your arm, but... <laughs> it was somewhere. I forget what I said to this god, but I basically told her that, uh, yes, I, I claim responsibility for what happened, uh, that I destroyed that thing because it was right to do, and uh, I basically gave her the finger. Then I broke the, the, the wish gem, and I wished for absolute power so I could create a new spell that doesn't exist. And I, I made a spell called Undo Law, and I casted it. And basically, the way Jordan interpreted what I wanted to do after I explained it to him was I wanted to undo the concept of this god. Because destroying its avatar would be pointless. It would just reform. So I basically, all of the believers of this god forgot that this god exists, and all records of it were just vanished from history. And the god crumbled to dust, the avatar did, and the plane began to collapse. <laughs> and I was immediately exploded and destroyed. <laughs> Because of the, I guess I wish for absolute power, and that's what happens when you do that. <laughs> well, his story arc was basically done now that the, yeah. the oceans became chaotic again in his home plane. Right. And so I felt that his time was up. I, I didn't want to keep playing. I, I did want to keep playing. It was, he was entertaining, but I felt that yeah, his <laughs> time I, wanted to, I didn't want to do a new story with him because it was so complete. That, that story arc was the penultimate yes. story arc. Yes, and so I thought saying. that he needs to go out in a blaze of glory. Because that's what chaos would demand. Yeah, I mean, right before that, you had a you had a mission through space to save Mike's character. Yeah, I went to the plane of pure chaos because he landed there somehow. I forget how. He he was trying to save us from one of the crazy mechanism creatures that was created by the tinkerer. Oh, we... and he used a cursed staff, and he got so mad he like split it over his knee in anger. Yeah. <laughs> That's and right. snapping, snap, I think he rolled like a 20 to snap this metal bar over his knee, manages to do it somehow, and it fucking, like, teleports him, happens to teleport him into the planet chaos. So I had to fish him out of there, um, because I'm the only one that can really survive in there. And um, I ended, we ended up having to uh, wait for, like, we got timeless bodies while we were in there, after the things I had to do to get him out of wherever he was. And so we gained timeless bodies, went to some sort of like interplanar hub thing, and we witnessed the end of the universe and waited until the universe caught back up to where we went in. And then we went in and everything was slightly different and 100 feet down. Pretty sure that was a Futurama reference, but yep. it worked. <laughs> I think so. Well. And my, oh my, my hair like and my beard, I had a very ugly character. He was like five foot. It was a joke. He was so ugly. He had like a beard and, and some hair. He was no longer balding. He had a full head of hair again for some reason. And they were completely rainbows. And like the color was like constantly shifting, like Rorschach's mask. Because chaos. But then that brings 
in my opinion, one of the most beautiful, like, poetic stories to come out of D&D is Mike's character sees us fighting on the castle walls of our keep, and he flies in to save me as this big boss dude that we've been fighting while they're still going through the plane of chaos. Uh, almost kills my character, but uh, knocks me out. And as he's going to coup de grace me, uh, he gets pulled from behind by our monk, who V-Dog was playing. Mike shoots him through the throat with a magic missile, killing the guy. But Mike took the attack that was supposed to hit me instead, and he got triple 20 Oh, <laughs> we got triple 20 that's right. Yeah. <laughs> After so, I all that effort to save him. Exactly. So poetic, because I was his bodyguard, but instead, he protected me. Like, in, in the end, and, like, the whole build-up to it, everything that had happened, like, Halen, this, like, water lady who was a part of the race that we um, fucked over with the destruction of that god, was, like, trying to get us to help her defeat her, her brother, but she had fallen in love with Mike because he had saved her prior. And, like, just everything that, like, wrapped around into this one story. Yeah, it brought tears to my eyes. Just we, had, like, we had like a formal so like good. funeral for his character that we role played through. It was so crazy. Yeah, it was it was good. Like if we were ever to write this into a book, comic, fucking if it ever became a show for whatever reason, like he may not have be been the the party's leader, scene. but he was the party's boss, basically. Well, yeah, he he had connections with the college and stuff. So if we needed something, until exactly until he had the magic sky battle with his old mentor and. You know, we had, to run, we, had to steal, we had to steal from them to help the underworld uh, so he'd get what we needed. But yeah, besides, besides that. It was a true bromance between your two characters, but it's not really a bromance because you played a chick. Well, no, it was definitely a bromance because I explained my character into being more like um, asexual. I mean, it, not that we would ever... You were just all uh, business. Did, you were so did, much into like all business yes. all the time that you didn't... That didn't even rele- it wasn't even relevant. I, yeah, and... To clarify for anyone listening, um, when we role play, we have we have strict rules, <laughs> like non-spoken rules, mind you, that we're we're not going to do anything weird with each other. We're not going to hit on each other. Well, I mean, I've done it, but that was and, just in unless character. it's unless it's like a funny situation. But we're never going to go so far as to like like for instance, uh, Hell's played a character who was a promiscuous changeling bard, and. You know, every once in a Literal while, prostitute, like a, yeah. a brothel or like a prostitution situation would happen, but like never once did it happen to the characters. Maybe like a glance or like a joke will happen here and there. Like when Kyle came in as the Pangalactic Pimp in the Red Ribbon uh, joke game that we ran, like you know, like sure that happens. But I just want to let everyone know that we're not we're not cringe lords, <laughs> right? At the end of the day. See, my problem is. With all of the uh, games that are ran, is I'm the type of person who would get in the game and just I would be the guy who only joked around. There's room like, for that in a party. You just need to be uh, like not yeah, like derailing the party. In our fifth edition game, that's all I was. Is I played a a bard who knew about arts and would rather play his loot. Or actually, I think I had a loot, but I also had a another instrument i can't remember what it was off the top of my head but like all i'd rather do is just play my instrument rather than fight also sarge like um i i think uh, jalen salamander was also kind of a comic relief character yeah i did some real work on those bosses right but like it was still comic relief like there was this one scene right before he died like before we got 
into the combat that led to those events. Like we were out of town, and um, you know, every, every time we go to a town, and and I would like hire a prostitute and like a, a room in a brothel because I'm not a good cleric. And I remember like I was trying to uh, build some character development between mine and V Dog's characters. And uh, I tried to get him a prostitute, but he just, like, noped out. And it was really, really funny. And then Travis had to, like, go interrupt, you know, what I was doing. So he, he, he walked into my character, like, doing the thing with the prostitute. And it, was, it wasn't awkward, but it was funny. Because Jordan described the scene, and it was just, that's just how it was. And He described it like yeah. a sex scene you'd seen in Austin Powers movie. So everything's just barely, like, random-ass objects are ra- barely covering you guys. Exactly. Like... It, it came off as comedy, not as, like, smut. So, it was great. And I never got that money back. Right. It was great. But yeah, Comic Relief totally has a place in D&D. You just need to also contribute to, like, what the party's doing and not derail them. Like, Mike has played several Comic Relief characters. Like, remember, like... Like, like were you in that game, Cube, with, uh, with Gypsy John? No, but I've heard great tales of Gypsy John. Gypsy John. Gypsy John is the best. <laughs> That was uh that was the longest game I've ever been in. We were in that for like two years straight. Like, it's definitely the longest session I've been. In. That that's where Reptile the Ninth is from. Where uh, it was probably the best iteration of Reptile I've made besides the first. Because you can't top the first. I mean, yeah, I killed Cthulhu. Get, get to that in another episode. That's in another episode. Yeah. Sarge, have you ever played D and D like at all? Um, I played a little bit of D and D um a long time ago, like a really long time ago. I was like ten. We started a campaign, played for like nine hours, I think it was, and then we never picked. Yeah, it back and then up and again. then you turned eleven, and you <laughs> met me, and then I had a collection of like plastic swords from all my Halloween costumes through the years, and we just started beating the shit out of each other instead outside. That was always fun. <laughs> I was I was a lot older than eleven. I was in fourth grade. I met you, and but I yeah, was 10, so you are not that much older than me. You guys knew about masturbation that that young? True, but <laughs> what? What? Grabbed a bunch of swords the instead of beating the them. <laughs> they were actual swords. Well, they were plastic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no. Besides that, I played a DDO. I have a pretty firm grasp on that, which is always fun. I was DDO about to say you awesome. did play a lot of DDO, which is you know, for those who don't know, that's Dungeons and Dragons Online, the video game. I played in the beta for that. Yes. I did too. It was actually after the beta, it got really good. The game was fun, to be honest. At the point in time when the only other MMO I was playing was RuneScape. Bar's pretty low. I mean, have you ever played a game that you're really not supposed to play on a computer, like uh, because of specs? And uh, the game tries its fucking hardest. Well, Dude, that was like my life in high school when I yeah, had a little was, netbook. That was DDO for me. I was playing it on a little shitty computer that hardly had even like half a gig of RAM and textures wouldn't load correctly and 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 things would be invisible. Have you ever been killed by an invisible dragon? Well, I don't know if I have been because I couldn't see it. <laughs> nope. You have not been killed by an invisible dragon. Trust me. There are no fucking well, dragons in that until, game. Until yeah, but... way like like raid bosses like you would know you were gonna go fight a dragon probably a wyvern maybe i, I just remember it, it was something I don't big wyverns either. and it made noises and it just killed me I, I could just hear it i had to i was daredevil it was big and it made noises except like my ass kicked hey that happens speaking of yes you just gave me a great idea 
for another time. Another time, then? Yes. For those of you listening, you should check out our Discord, and on our Discord, you should get a hold of Spell Theory. Well, sometimes we just call him Mike. I think we've called him Mike during this episode, in fact. I think we should really start calling him Spell Theory, because he's really kept that username longer than all of his other ones. I think he might actually keep it. But now that I've said it, I've probably jinxed it. He's probably going to change his username. I've jinxed it. But... So it, right now in Discord, his name is not spelled oh, through. I bet God. that would Someone be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> not one. Uh, uh, I'm checking. I'm checking. Oh, no, it's okay. Still so Mike slash spells theory slash sigil slash puddle splasher slash mysterious stranger slash dot 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 slash whatever else is looking for volunteers. Um, you don't need to have BDO. I think he's going to start with BDO, but he wants to like start making a machinima. He seems pretty serious about it. Uh, but I'm not going to go into too much detail because they haven't started. So if you uh, are interested in acting in such a thing or contributing something to the project, you should get a hold of him because he's looking for volunteers. I'm going to have to get a hold of him and do some Guild Wars-esque mission. Guild Wars is good for that. I mean, I like Guild Wars. No, no, like, 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 literally in his oh. BDO world, <laughs> like, some, like, 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 call it, like, the upside down. Like, I, you haven't, you might not have seen Stranger Things, hopefully. Not yet. It's but, on my list of things to do. Like the the alternate... But even if you don't have the game, you could always do it's voice like... acting too. It's something I just thought of. True. Some of us play females, um, but, like... but as you can tell, my female voice isn't yeah. very good. I know. <laughs> that was my female voice. <laughs> Shit. Um. No. Like alternate dimension. Like you know, because BDO is like kind of a lot grungier feeling than you know. So if they ever get into an alternate dimension, I'll just make my character on Guild Wars like the most flamboyant fucking thing in the world for it well that wouldn't be hard <laughs> no no it wouldn't no, but for real though check out our discord like i'm not getting i guess this this out won't be a joke i don't have any jokes today i just don't check out the discord check out my stream slash sarge the barge wmd at twitch and never ever Never, ever lick the goddamn cheese off the lid and put it back.